So today I want to talk to you about the old man died. Say it with me. Say the old man died. Say it like you're surprised. The old man died. It's kind of like you go to the grocery store and somebody says, hey, man, how's T-Bar doing? He said, the old man died. Well, I didn't hear. But, yep, the old man died. He's dead, been dead a while, been gone a while. He's, in fact, we're all over it now. It's good. The old man died. And this morning, I want, to, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians. And before we jump into 2 Corinthians, I want to show you something that Jesus did to, to Simon that I think he's going to do to us today. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's going to do it today. And for some of you, you've already gotten this, but it, it may be a good fresh reminder. For some of you, this is going to slap you right in the face. So we're going to start today. I want to talk to you about how Jesus renamed Simon as Peter. How many of you remember that in the Bible, in the, in the Gospels? Simon comes because his brothers come and find him and say, hey, we found the Messiah. We found the one. Come see him. And, and, and Peter walks up and Jesus says, hey, you're Simon. <laughs> but here's the thing about Jesus is Jesus saw who Simon was going to be. He didn't see who Simon presently was. OK, so he saw Simon and said, you know what, I'm going to start calling you Peter. So Jesus prophetically renamed Simon Peter, which means rock or stone. Okay? So Peter goes from being regular old Simon to now Peter, which I would prefer Peter. It sounds a little stronger, right, than Simon. I wish somebody would have renamed me because I had to fight in junior high because my name was Jamie, and it's a girl's name. I had to share my name with girls, and it just didn't feel strong, but I'm just, I'm the guy that's making the name Jamie Strong. So Jesus renamed Simon Peter, in other words, he said, you're not Simon, you're now called the rock. Jesus named him by what he was going to be, but not by what he presently was. You got to get this before we can go on. Okay. When Jesus speaks to you today, he's speaking to you from the perspective of what you're going to be, not what you presently are. The devil's got... Most of you convince that when Jesus talks to you, looks at you, and cares for you, it's out of your past. So you see Jesus now as a, as a mad, angry, mad at you, upset, unforgiving, you done blew it too much kind of God. And so then you don't want to go to him. Because the enemy's trying to tell you that Jesus is acting like your parents. And when you blew it, your parents blew it too. They just blew it on you. Right? And it took him a while to get over it. And if we're not careful, the enemy will get us to seeing Jesus that way. And that's not the way we're supposed to see him. Peter comes. Simon walks onto the scene to meet this guy. I mean, he's, he's a fisherman. He stinks. He comes up and meets the Messiah. Jesus. And Jesus says, no longer will you be called Simon. Your name is going to be Peter. And then later on in their time together, Jesus actually tells Peter, he says, your name is Peter. You're the rock. I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. I believe Jesus saw that the first time he met Peter. Jesus doesn't see you by your past action. He sees you by your future. And it's prophetic. You've got to believe that the past is gone. Come on, somebody. You've got to believe that it's gone. Let me ask you a question. Can you get past your past? 
That's the real question this. Can you get past your past? These are some things I've learned in my life is that this, that Jesus puts more faith in me than I put in myself most times. <laughs> Jesus sees things in me that I don't see in myself. Jesus sees a future for me that I can't see for myself. It's bigger than my comprehension. It's bigger than my understanding. It's bigger than my faith. The enemy's telling me he's mad at you. You're never going to amount to anything. And Jesus is calling me by a name that only works in the future. He's calling me by my prophetic name. And that's who I'm becoming. Amen. I firmly believe that I'm my worst enemy. I think it's lazy to blame everything on the devil. He's just not that good. Right? But boy, I am. I'm my own worst enemy. I hold myself back because of fear, doubt, worry, pride, and so on. But Jesus sees my future and he calls me by that name. Amen? So some of you are going to leave here today with a new name. So I want to show you in Scripture one of the new names you received. When you gave your life to Jesus, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're taking notes, point one is the old man died. The old man died. He's dead. He's gone. The old man died. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Jesus, or basically, he's talking about Jesus. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, say new life, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the grave, ascended into heaven so that you could have a new life. He gave his life for your new life. So there's a lot of value on this new life. Don't take this new life for granted. Don't see it as a cheap commodity. This new life is real. Come on, somebody. This new life is real. It was, it's so real and it's so important that God sent his most precious possession to the earth to die on the cross and raise from the, grid, from the dead so that you could receive this new life. It's as valuable as Jesus' life, this new life. You've been given this new life, and you don't have to live for yourself anymore. you got to read this scripture right. You don't have to live for yourself anymore. There's a greater calling than you. Come on, somebody. Anybody get tired of yourself? Anybody ever look in the mirror and say, man. I mean, some of you can change your hair. I'm limited. There's only so much I can do. Right? I shaved my beard off the other day and my kids almost passed out when they saw me. I'm getting tired of me. I'm getting tired of my ways. I'm getting tired of trying to take care of me. I'm a, I'm a, man, I'm high maintenance. I'm just going to be real. Some of you won't confess it, but I'm high maintenance, man. I'm serious. I felt bad the other night. My wife, she, if she was here, she would confess to you. I felt bad. I didn't know what I was coming down with. I was aching all up my back. Just one afternoon just kind of jumped on me, and I went straight into boudet mode. 
I'm in the lip drug. I sat in the recliner. Right, Virginia? Nobody could, don't touch me. Can you give me this? Can you get? And my wife goes, you think you're running fever? I don't know. When I run fever, my back aches and my back's aching. And so she didn't say nothing. I was expecting to say, well, you want me to go get the thermometer? So I had to go, would you go get the thermometer? Well, you can't get the thermometer? I'm thinking, well, I'm the run, run a fever. Right? But I, I wanted somebody to take care of me. Come on, man. You know how we are. Don't deny it. It's real. I get tired of trying to take care of me. I'm a lot to take care of. And here's the deal. When I'm busy taking care of me, I'm not busy taking care of God and his calling on my life. When I'm taking care of me, I am 100% distracted from what God's called me to do. When I'm worried about what I don't have and I'm worried about what I'm falling short on and I worry about how I feel, I'm not worrying about the kingdom of God. I'm not worried about the lost people in the world. I'm worried about me. Me, myself, and I. How is my world going? How is my kingdom going? Is anybody going to jump into my kingdom and take care of my kingdom? It's all about me. I get tired of it. But here's the deal. Paul says you don't have to live for yourself anymore because Christ died on the cross and gave you a new life. And here's the funny thing. Jesus actually flips the coin on you and he says, you cast your cares on me and I'll care for you. Get you some of that. But, but, but my, my daddy said I got to be a man and I got to take care of myself. Yes. That's right. But you got to let Jesus take care of you. Come on. You might be a man and you might be strong, but let me tell you something. You can't carry all the burdens and the cares of this world by yourself. It will break you down and knock you out. How do you know, Pastor? Because I've been broke down and knocked out. I've been at the end of my rope on, on burnout, done, good for nothing, because I tried to do it myself. So, Paul, so, so Christ dies on the cross so that we could have this new life. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He died and was raised for them. Who are them? You. Say me. I am them. I'm going to have you talking like you grew up in Franklin. Verse 16. So we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Something needs to change. You see, the old man saw things a certain way that the new man can't see that way anymore. The old man saw things with a certain perspective and from a certain position, but the new man sees it different. You got to get this because some of you still see yourself and you still see others from a dead man's eyes. Right? You're looking through dead man's eyes. Dead man's eyes don't see well, Meshach. When you've been given a new life and a new set of eyes to see things a certain way, I want you to see what Paul says right here. In the midst of all this, he says we see others and we evaluate them from a human point of view. And at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Watch this. This this is a statement. This is not a question. Watch what Paul says. 
how differently we know him now. That's a big one. How differently we know him now. Not a question, a statement. Something happened to Paul and he sees Christ differently than he did before. So if you still see Christ the way you saw him when you were saved, you ain't been growing. If you still see Christ the way you saw him last month, you need to speed up the growth process a little bit. Come on. You shouldn't still see him the way you saw him yesterday. There should be something different. There should be a new view of Christ. You should know him differently now, the Bible says. That's what, that was Paul's revelation. When Paul was going and he was persecuting the church, he had written permission from the government to jerk Christians out of their home and persecute them and throw them in jail. So Paul's on his merry old way persecuting Christians and Jesus comes by and bam, knocks him off of the horse. Knocks him smooth blind. For three days, he sits in a building blind without food or water. Then Jesus sends a servant to go over there and pray for him and lay hands on him. And when he does, instantly scales fall from his eyes and he sees things differently. You got to see this. He went from persecuting Christ to proclaiming Christ. There was a difference. There was a shift. He saw people differently. These Christians were his enemy at one point, and now he sees them as God's children. Come on. How differently we know him now. You should know Jesus different than you did yesterday, last week, or last month. Paul says the old man is gone. The next verse he says that. It says the old man is gone. How many of you believe that? Show me your hands. How many of you believe that the old man is gone? Raise them up high. I want to make sure I, I get this right because I'm going to bust somebody. <laughs> Just picking. If you believe that the old man is gone, then why in the heck do we spend so much time trying to dig him back up? Why do we spend so much time like the children of Israel? Remember when they were set free from Egypt and they're in the desert and they're getting miracle meals. Think about this. Manna from heaven coming down, being provided for them every day. Exactly what they need. Water from rocks. And when the pressure got a little too high and the heat got a little too high, what they want to do? I want to go back to Egypt. Why in the heck you want to go back? There's no miracles in Egypt no more. The dead man is dead. He's not alive. And in fact, he stinks. And I believe we know he stinks. Because every time we try to go back to what we used to be, there's this smell that pops up. It's kind of rank. <laughs> Ethan was cutting grass the other day, hit a dead bird with the, with the mower. Funked up the whole yard. I was like, dang, I had people coming over. I'm like, yeah, should have dodged a bird, bud. 
Yo, man, he's dead. He stinks. He's rotten. Don't go back. Stop spending your time digging him back up. Just because the heat gets hot don't mean you're supposed to leave. Just because things get tough doesn't mean that Jesus ain't on your side anymore. In fact, when you really start to mature, you start to understand that when things get hard and things get tough and the heat gets turned up, Meshach, something's about to break loose. That's what you got to start realizing. It was hard to get to church this morning, somebody. I'm just, it was hard. My wife was sick. I was running late. The goat didn't want to be milked. Everything else was just breaking down. I get here, somebody put mud on the back floor after we just got the building washed. I'm walking, I'm going, gah! Everything's irritating me. Finally, the maturity had to step in and go, hold on a second. Why is this so hard? Why is this so difficult? I wanted to quit this morning. I wanted to go back and pour concrete. Yeah, it was that bad. I wanted to go back. But here's the thing. I can't go back. I'm not anointed to go back. I'm not appointed to go back. I'm not even blessed to go back. Leave that dead man in the ground. Stop messing with him. Leave the cemetery behind. Leave him behind. When things get tough, are we supposed to run? When I read the Bible, it says, when the enemy comes at you, stand against him and he will flee from you. The Bible actually says to resist. You know what to resist means? Just to simply put your arm out and stop him from gaining any more ground. So you know what I did this morning? I said, you know what? I'm preaching no matter what. I'm praising no matter what. I'm worshiping no matter what. I don't care if the team breaks down. I don't care if nothing goes right. I'm still praising God and I'm still going to preach a word this morning because in doing that, I'm resisting and the enemy is currently fleeing. He's fleeing. Now, I don't have to go chase him. That's what he wants me to do. He wants me to Forget that sucker. He going to somebody else's church and mess with them. Amen. So the old man is dead. Let him stay dead. Number two, the new man is alive. He's living, breathing, thriving, vibrant, full of vigor, full of energy, full of stamina, ready to break loose. Ready to accomplish things. This new man is alive. He's not dead. He's not sitting in a coma. He's alive. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be made alive. Be alive. Be alive. We just got to liven up. Some of you need to put a smile on your face. I mean, like seriously, you're a child of God. You belong to the kingdom of heaven. Stop frowning. You need to put your frown down. That's pretty good. <laughs> put your frown down. I might start you up. Put your frown. You put your frown down. <laughs> Come on, I'm alive. Even though sometimes I want to feel like I'm dead, I'm still alive. Sometimes I got to press in. Sometimes you got to press through. And sometimes you got to resist. Look at verse 17. This means that anyone 
Who's this anyone? Who? Me. I'm anyone, right? I'm not the, the scoundrel everybody says. I'm anyone now. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So anybody that surrenders their life to the Lord Jesus, Romans says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. He didn't say you will be saved as long as you're good. He didn't say you'll be saved as long as you don't make mistakes. He said you will be saved. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. How many of you love new things? You know what I love about a new car? Is the smell of a new car. You know what I love about a baby? Is the smell. Right? Come on, mamas. Some of you men, you might have a little touch like I do. I love to get a new baby, just, just go, <laughs> just smell them all up, right? Especially when they used to put the uh, baby lotion. Whew, that's some good stuff. Made me want to, never mind. Too late. <laughs> too late for that and too early for grandkids. I'm stuck. Y'all pray for me. I might start sniffing your baby. <laughs> just picking. It's kind of awkward. So the Bible says he's become a new person. The old life is gone. Say bye-bye. The new life has begun. I want you to see this word begun. You got to get this. Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave. When you give your life to him, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. In that process, you go from spiritual death into spiritual life, right? Pretty simple process. It's actually a pretty quick process. It's, it's as quick as a decision. And so we've been, so the old man in that process is gone, right? He's gone. That's what the Bible just said. He's gone. And the new life, get this, has begun. Begun means that it's beginning, Beginning means that it's a process. You've been given this new life, and it's begun. In other words, it's taking off. So, Virginia, come see. I want you to be my lovely assistant today. Give it up for Virginia. Stand behind the board and just hold this up. It's her first day on the keyboard today. So proud of her. Her and Dorian, two newest members on the band, did a great job. Amen? So, so this was the old man. All right, lift it up a little bit high. So many people can't see the podium. So this is the old man, right? That's all the things that, and that's just some of them. It's not all of them. Can I, I need to move out the way? Okay. So that's the old man. So in the process of giving your life to Christ, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, this old life is gone. Come on, somebody. It's gone. The old story, the old book of your life has been ended, closed, and burned. It's gone. Never to return. Stay right there. Never to return. And Paul says this. You've got to get this. That's exciting. Man, that's so exciting, right? That's exciting. It's gone. 
That means your failures. That means your, your, your addictions. That means your, your, your faults, the things that you did wrong, your sexual immorality, your anger, your bitterness, your rage. All those things are gone. I mean, when Jesus says it's gone, Meshach, it's gone. Right? And man, that's exciting. Woo! It's exciting. Right? And then Paul says that when that happens, you get this new life. So what you get is you get a new book. And you get to write the pages of the new book. Don't get too excited. Because some of you have been right there. There's nothing written in your book. That's what God wants me to tell you this morning. Some of you, you stopped. You got this new life and you just quit. And you trusted Jesus enough for salvation. And you trusted Jesus enough to become spiritually alive. But you stayed right there. There's not a word on the page of your life. It's empty. That's not good. It's not good. He broke my heart last night when he showed me this. Sitting at my dining room table, finishing up my notes, trying to hurry up and finish up my message. And, and I honestly, I was sitting there going, God, I've preached this already. I've preached this so many they, they, People going to think I'm running out of messages, Lord. What's, what's the deal, man? I don't know why you want me to do this again. I'm tired of it. I mean, seriously, come on, God. Can we get a little fresh word up in here? And he said, yeah, I'm going to give you a fresh word in the old word. And he showed me this illustration. He showed me all of this. And he said, you tell my people that some of them, and he knows who you are. And here's the thing. You know who you are. I've stopped right there. Your new life has begun. It's got to go from here somewheres. God wants to write your story. He wants to write on the pages of your life. He wants to write his story on your life, but you're not letting him. You're too afraid. You're too ashamed. You're too scared of what people are going to think about you if you step out and follow Christ completely. You're more worried about your reputation than you are Jesus' reputation. You got yours, they can go get theirs. I'm good. I made it to, I'm safe. I'm safe. I made it on the base. Right? Tag. (laughs) Y'all getting tagged. I'm safe. I'm not going to tell you how to get to safe. Because I'm safe. I just find it kind of awkward that Jesus dies on the cross and raises from the grid, from the dead, from the grave, and ascends into heaven, sits on his throne, sends the power of the Holy Spirit to live in our lives on the day of Pentecost. He told the disciples what was coming. He says, I got to go. I got to get out of here because there's, there's a promise coming. There's a gift coming from God, and he's going to fill you with power to be a witness. He's going to fill you with power to get other people to base. 
Come on. I just have a hard time believing he did all of that so that you could get to base and stay. Play it safe. Don't take a risk. Don't risk your reputation. Don't risk what people think about you. You don't want to risk it. You don't want to risk stepping out because God might make you do something you're uncomfortable doing. Come on. You don't want to get up and read your Bible because it might change your life. Some of you are comfortable in Egypt. The old is gone. The new life has begun. Where's your new life at today? Where's it at? Only you can answer that question. You and God, I can't answer that question. And I'm not sitting here trying to judge you. I ain't got time for that. But if you really start believing that anyone that receives Christ gets a new life and the old man is gone, chains should be broken. Curses should be broken. All the doubt, the fear, the worry, the anxiousness, the hurt, the pain should be broken. Why is it broken? Because it broke with the old man and you've been made new and this new life has begun and it's not broken and it's not wounded and it's not hurting. Come on, somebody. And it's not cursed and it's not broke down. It's not defeated. It's brand new. A brand new truck don't rattle. At least a Ford don't. You got to at least get 30 miles or 30,000 miles on it before it starts rattling. But this new man is not tore down like the old man. You see, the old man was cursed by what people said about you. People have been cursing you their whole life, pronouncing, don't even realize what they're doing, speaking lies, speaking curses over you. And you're sitting here trying to, trying to serve God. You're trying to serve Jesus, but you just can't. And you know why you can't? Because you're living underneath a curse. Some of you are living underneath a generational curse. Your daddy was a pervert and he passed it on to you. Now you can't look at the computer without being tempted to go look at something you're not supposed to look at. Some of you, your mama was a gossip and you can't keep your mouth shut to save your life. And you can't figure out why. And I'm serious. You keep bringing it to the cross. You bring it back to the cross and nothing changes. You got to believe that that died with the old man. The Bible says that whom the Son sets free is free. The Bible says that anyone the Son sets free is free. I believe most of us live underneath these curses and we live underneath all these things because we choose to. Because we like hanging out with dead people. We like living in the cemetery when you got this new life and you're supposed to be living this new life that's free. Come on, somebody. But you're too afraid to step out and follow Jesus and get uncomfortable. You see, I was taught if you want to deal with sin in your life, you need to embarrass it. How do you embarrass sin? You confess it. I heard Jesse DePlanter say one time, if you got a lust problem, tell your wife. <laughs> you won't have a lust problem no more. <laughs> she, oh, she's going to take care of that. If you really believe it, things should start breaking off right now. 
in the name of Jesus right now, things are being broken off of you. Every lie the enemy spoke is broken. It died with the old man. Every curse that people spoke over you is dead with the old man. Every doubt and fear and insecurity is broken and dead with the old man. But some of us have stopped with the new life. And it's blank. It's just blank. We're not gaining any ground for the kingdom. We're not stepping outside of ourselves. We're not pressing in and getting closer to Jesus. We're not planting ourselves in his word. This is so valuable. So valuable. There's people in other countries that have to give their life to get a book like this. And they hope to just get a page. And they're living a Christian life and got more written in their, in their book of life than you do. And they only got one page and you got the whole stinking book. But we're too undisciplined, too unanxious to get up in this word and let this word get up in us. Because then it changes us. Listen to me, change isn't fun. I hate change. Broke my heart when I heard that Bluebell had a callback. Disrupted my whole life. I had to go meet with Jesus and get back right again. I hate when things change. But I know this, that when they change, it's for the better. When they change, it's heading in the right place and in the right direction. Paul said this new life has begun. That means it's just getting started. It's not like a bam and all of a sudden, ta-da, I'm all good. I'm new man. Book's already written. I'm just going to follow the plan. That's not the bam in Christianity. Paul says it's begun. You know what? God leaves a little bit of responsibility on us, doesn't he? In fact, he leaves more than we, we think he leaves. Some of you either believe that God's going to do everything for you, or some of you believe that God's not going to do anything for you. The ones that believe God's going to do everything for you, you're lazy. You don't do nothing. And the ones that don't believe God's going to do anything for them, you're working your tail off, killing yourself. You see it? This new life has begun. It's starting. It's taking place now. It's a process. It needs to grow. That's why Paul said that how, how do we see him differently now? How differently do we know him now? Follow me? Jesus needs to stay alive in your life. You need to see a new side of Jesus every time you open your eyes. You need to see something new about Jesus. You need to have some intimate experiences with Jesus. The only way you do that is when you step outside of yourself, outside of your comfort zone. You go make some new friends that are believers and you get yourself around some folks that have some life on them. You plant yourself in a church, plant yourself in the word, plant yourself in the power of his Holy Spirit. And you start seeing Jesus from a new perspective. The Jesus I know today is different than the Jesus I knew yesterday. It needs to grow. So the new man is alive. Hallelujah. Number three, I'm back where I belong. I'm back where I belong. Look at verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. 
And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So all of the things we've been talking about so far is a gift from God. It's a gift from God to bring you back to him. In the garden, in the first days, when Adam and Eve was in the garden, they were in right standing with God. Only thing they had to do was take care of the garden and the animals. Come on, somebody. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I walk around here buck naked, unashamed. I'm a gardener and a, and a shepherd all at the same time. No shame. Seriously, I am right with God. Right. Not wrong. I'm in right standing. If this is God, I'm right here where I belong. Adam and Eve fall into temptation and sin, and then comes the fall of man. We now live under a curse. So we're no longer right with God. The Bible says that if you've you've not given your life to Jesus, you're an enemy of God. So when you give your life to Jesus, you now get this new life. The old man is gone, and this is a gift from God that he used to bring you back to himself. You getting this? So now, not only are you brand new, and this new life has begun... But you are in right standing with God. You're right back where you belong. Come on. It's like sleeping in a hotel room for three or four days and then coming home. Right, men? You get back in the bed with your wife and it's your bed and your wife. You right where you belong. Amen. Can I get an amen? She might complain about your snoring and your kicking and all that, but leave for a couple of days and come back. She wants you back right where you belong. Come on. Listen to me. Jesus died on the cross and was rose from, he rose from the grave so that you could be put back in your proper place. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that if you've done that, if you've given your life to Jesus and you've confessed him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, welcome back. You are right back where you belong. Stop letting the devil lie to you. Stop letting people lie to you. Stop letting your past speak to you. And stay right where you belong. Right here. In my place. Some of you need to take some ownership of this. This is my place. Come on. This is my place. Some of you are more aggressive at a sales and Macy's than you are in staying in your right place with God, right? When they put the hunting equipment on sale, you get more excited about that than you do staying in your own right place with God. This is your spot. You need to take some ownership of it. This is my spot. I am where I belong. I'm going to stay where I belong. Amen? So you're right where you belong. This is the BAM in Christianity. Because when you make that decision... There's not a process. There's not anything you need to work through. When you give your life to Jesus, your old is gone. You are welcome back to stand right where you belong. Bam. You got to get this. Come on. Stick with me. You got to know that this is where I belong. And it happened in the blink of an eye. Can you believe that? Can you believe that that's possible? that I can be in the right spot with God, that I can be where I belong? Can you believe that? Can you tell the devil to shut up? Come on. Can you resist him? Because he's trying to tell you, no, you're not. Not you. 
Uh-uh, you a Thibodeau. Ain't no way. Thibodeaus don't get right with God. I heard that Thibodeaus too. You know? <laughs> Somebody, he went, that was close. <laughs> the Kibidos are right, they're good. Thanks to your mama. <laughs> Here's the thing. Now that I'm right where I belong, I don't have to people please anymore. <laughs> I don't have to work for my reputation anymore. I don't have to be perfect anymore. I don't have to be strong be strong anymore. Because that's the only place that the Bible fits in, the scripture fits in, that in my weakness, he's made strong. When am I weak? I'm when I'm in his presence. I realize that I am no longer strong. My dependence is on God. I'm not living for myself anymore. I've been set free from that. I'm right where I belong. Forget what people think about me because I'm in the Father's house. I'm, I'm sitting with the King of Kings. Come on, somebody. I'm royalty. Come on. There's, there's demons rolling out red carpets for me when I walk. Come on, somebody. There's a place being built for me in heaven. It's just for me. My name written all over it. It's my place. And I'm not giving it up that easy. Amen? So the second half of that verse says this, that, and God has given us this task of reconciling people. So he gives us this tremendous gift that brings us back in the right standing with him. So now you're back home, you're in the place you need to be, and he gives you a task, a simple task. He says, now I want you to go, and I want you to go get other people and bring them back. But what about my spot? What about, somebody going to take my, nobody's going to take your spot. It's secure. It's not up for sale. It's not up for auction. Little Timmy ain't going to come run and steal your spot when you get up. So stop worrying about it. Go and bring others back to me. It doesn't get much simpler than that. He's given us the simple task of reconciling others to him. It's, it's what James and Andrew did when they met Jesus. What did they, they ran to Peter. Hey, Peter, we found the Messiah. Come see. They didn't tell him to change his clothes. They didn't tell him to, to hide his tattoos. They didn't tell him to spit his dip out of his mouth. Come on. Now you need to do that anyway because your breasts stink. But he didn't tell him to do all that. He said, come see the Messiah. Come see. Come see. You know, there's people all around you waiting for you to say, come see. You've been saying, come saw too long. Come see. Come see the Messiah. Come see my church. Come see this freaky looking pastor I got. He's uneducated. Never went to cemetery. Didn't do nothing. You never know what he's going to say. Puts his business on the street. Come see this freaky man. He might introduce you to Jesus. He's given us this task of reconciling others to himself. He didn't put you back in your right place just to stay there. That's, what, that's called eternity. You're going to stay there in eternity. 
But while we're on this planet, this temporary place, we're called to go and get other people and bring them back. Just bring them back. You know what I love about new Christians is that they're, they're still excited about Christianity. You know what I don't like about older Christians in most cases? Is they're done with it. They get back to the house. Man, I'm tired of going to try and tell people. These people don't want to hear nothing. All they think is the church asks for money. And every time I bring people to church, Pastor Jamie does a tithe message. <laughs> and people never come back because they hear a tithe message. But you know they broke. Ain't got no victory in their finances with their little extra 10%. New Christians, they just like, hey, <laughs> whew, find somebody, anybody, somebody, chase them down in the parking lot. Hey, ha, ha, I just gave my life to Jesus. You may need to tone me down a little bit, but you know what I mean? Go. Tell people about Jesus. Bring them back. So I'm back where I belong. Number four, my new name. You ready for this? My new name, your new name is ambassador. It's kind of cheesy, but it's true. Your new name is ambassador. Good morning, Mr. and Mrs. Ambassador. You got to get what ambassador means. It's, it's a nice fancy word. It's a 50 cent word in my book, but it's, it's ambassador. It simply means this. It's a person of high rank employed by a government to represent that government and transact that government's business at the seat of government of some other power. <laughs> That's a good definition. I hope you was listening. An ambassador is a person of high rank. Say high rank. Employed by a government to represent it and transact its business at the seat of government of some other power. So here's the deal. You are God's high-ranking representative to the world to operate in a government of some other power. Let me show you a verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. You're going to love this one. It says this. We know that we are the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. I'm going to bust some of your religious bubbles this morning. The world you presently live in is under the control of the evil one. That's what the Bible says. Under the control of the evil New King James says it like this, and I love the version. It says, this world is under the sway of the enemy. So just start swaying with me. See if you can keep up with me, you bunch of white people. Come on. Uh, some of you are off already. Come on, I'm not even going fast. Come on. You too white to be right. No, I'm too... But the world is under the sway of the, of the enemy. And God's called you to be his ambassador. So you're a high-ranking official sent from your government, the kingdom of heaven, to this earth, another government controlled by another power to represent God and to, to, to take care of his business. Welcome to the ministry. You're a high-ranking official. Official, sent to a world, you're sent to another country. You don't even belong to the U.S. anymore. When you gave your life to Jesus, you remember, you just took your right standing with God. You're in the right place now. You belong to heaven. You're a child of God. And he says, I want you to go and reconcile the people back to me. In other words, I'm going to send you to that country. What country, Lord? The U.S. Well, I'm already in the U.S. 
I know, but you belong to the kingdom now. Oh, okay. So go as my high-ranking official. You know what that means? Some of you need to step your game up. Some of you need to pick your chin up. Some of you are still broke down like the old dead man was. You ain't learned how to smile. You ain't learned how to be alive yet. Some of you need to get a little life in you. Come on, somebody. People don't even know you're a Christian. You still look like you belong to the world. You ain't got no hop in your step, no get along, no giddy up, no nothing. You're just like, what you doing Sunday? I'm going to go to church. Oh, okay. That's good. And so you, you got a new life. <laughs> the dead man's gone. Man, we got to get this. You're an ambassador. Remember, we started out that God sees us differently than we see ourselves. He sees you by who you're becoming and not by who you used to be. Come on. Some of you are still trying to be Simon when he's calling you Peter. He's speaking prophetically over you. He's calling you into prophetic things to go do. And when you go do those things, he already knows what's going to happen. You're his ambassador to this country that's under the control of the evil one. And all you got to do is walk into that country where you're fully protected, fully covered, fully empowered to walk into any room. Jesus said when he when he rose from the grave, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. He says, now I give that to you. So you go and make disciples. So guess what? You got all the authority. You got all the power. You got the new life. You got all of heaven sitting in the stands looking at you, cheering for you. Come on, man. Go get them. Go get them dead people. Go touch them. Bring them back to God. You got everything you need. There's nothing else you can add to the Bible to make you or convince you to go do what you're already called to do. Right? Why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard? Pastor Jamie, why I start stuttering every time I want to tell somebody about Jesus? Because you're nervous. Is it okay to be nervous? Yeah, it's okay to be nervous. Eventually, the nerves will go away. They'll never go away if you never step up on the stage and speak. You're his ambassador. You're a high-ranking representative. That's not a joke. I said that's not a joke. We spend too much time sitting around wondering what our call is. Wondering what our purpose is. Spend too much time wondering what God's will is for my life. When it's in plain sight. Some of you are waiting for a word from God. To do something. Congratulations you got it today. You don't need any other word besides this one. And let me tell you something about your calling. And his will and your purpose. 99% of the time it's not discovered until you start reconciling. You discover when you step out. Right? The pioneers of this country stepped out and discovered new land. If they never stepped out, we never discover new land. Right? As Christians, we're called to step out into new areas and come into new places and touch people's lives. 
with his life. And when you do that, you discover what you're made for. So instead of sitting around wondering and waiting for God to tell you what you're made for, when he's already told you, just step out and go start reconciling people. You've been given this ministry of reconciliation. You're an ambassador, a high-ranking representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a lost and dying world, you're the only lifeline to this world. You are the only plan that God has. There is no plan B. Amen? But the enemy wants to take that away from you. Doesn't he? He wants to convince you otherwise. You're not an ambassador. You cussed last week. You're not a representative of God. You got mad at somebody. You messed up. Well, you know what? He had a plan for that too. If you're faithful and just to confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and to wash you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's not like he didn't know you wasn't going to fall again. Your failure didn't take him by surprise. Now, maybe you sitting on the ground pouting about it has taken him by surprise. I fall. I do fall. I lose it. Sometimes pretty regular. But I get back up. And I ask for forgiveness and I ask God to change me. Remember, my new life has begun. It's still in the process. Come on, somebody. He's still working on me today. But just because he's working on me doesn't mean I can't work for him. You see, sometimes your healing is in your ministry. Sometimes your healing is when you're doing the work for God. When you step out and you start doing something, God comes in and he breathes all over you. Just like this morning, I came to church, my back was hurting bad. I was like, dang, man, if I had a backup preacher, I'd call in this morning. I come up here and I sit on this stool and I watch my little girl practice the piano. And I'm just going, God, man, this thing's hurting. I'm thinking, man, I got to go see Doc. God, man, Doc got to straighten me out. And you know what? I said, well, I'm just going to have to press through. I'm, I don't even feel my back right now. <laughs> I done lost all my frustrations I came to church with. I can see the sun shining and the birds singing right now. Praise God. Amen. He's working on me. And my healing is in my going. Come on, somebody. You don't know God the way you want to know God because you won't go when God tells you to go. He's already told you to go. And let me tell you something. Christianity was never meant to be boring. If you're bored with Christianity, then you've stopped. You stopped. He didn't stop. You stopped. You know how you fix that? You get your foot off the brake and you hit the gas pedal and you go. Right? You go. You just step out again. And that's what I hope we do today. So here's the deal. It's time for us to start acting like God treats us. You may need to chew on that just a little bit. You see, you're not acting like he treats you. You're acting like somebody else treats you. We need to start acting like he sees us, acting like he treats us. We need to start believing that he sees us differently than we see ourselves. Amen? Differently than we see ourselves. 
There's a verse in Hebrew. Somebody gave me this this morning. Didn't even know what my message was going to be. A verse in Hebrews 17, and it says this. Hebrews 10, 17. And their sins and iniquities will... Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. <laughs> Look at me. Your sin and your iniquity, he will remember no more. Can you swallow that? Can you accept that? That your sin and your iniquity, he will see it no more? Come on. Can you, can you receive that? Can you believe that? That he doesn't see your past anymore? He's done forgotten what the old man looks like. He's buried. He's not trying to dig him up. Amen? So the word is, is to move on. Move on. But pastor, you don't know what people did to me. You don't know who hurt me. You don't know what people said about me. And every time I try to step out for God, I hear their voices and I feel that pain. Move on. But, but, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, move on. Move on. But you don't know my weakness. You don't know I've got disabilities. You don't know what my failures are. You don't know my weaknesses, Pastor. Move on. In your weakness, he's made strong. He says to take my yoke upon your back. Number five, stay where you belong. Watch what, watch what Paul does right here. For God, for God was in Christ, verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. It's a good practice for us to take up. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. <laughs> this is the last time you had to plead. We are Christ's ambassadors. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's all we got to do. Come back to God. So for some of you today, that's the message. Come back to God. Come back to this place that you belong. Come on, somebody. For God made Christ. Paul brings it all the way back around. He says this again. And anytime the Bible says something twice, you need to pay attention to it. He says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made with God, right with God through Christ. No longer Will their sins and their iniquities be held against them? You're made right with God. You are right with God. Stay right where you belong. Don't go anywhere. Don't let the devil tell you you lost your spot. Don't let people tell you you don't belong. Don't let your insecurities in yourself speak to you. Stay right where you belong. For some of you, you need to stay faithful to come to church. You need to be faithful to build some new relationships. You need some consistency, just like the tithe message. Some of you, your life is like a roller coaster because your church attendance is like a roller coaster. So, dang, Pastor, I thought you was about to wind it up, but you punched me in the nose again. But ain't it true? 
You get out of relationship with God's people, <laughs> you're probably already out of relationship with God. You need some consistency. You need to build some new relationships. You need to let some other fellas in your ship. Amen? So, that's where we're at today. The old man died. He gone. The new man is alive. He's not dead. He's not in a coma. He's alive. You're back where you belong. Your new name is Ambassador. And we just need to stay where we belong. You can't let the enemy shake your foundation. You can't let him tell you that you belong to something else that you don't belong to. Doggone it. If you're a child of God, then you're a child of God. Amen? I hate seeing, seeing beat down believers walking around trying to come out, trying to get back. When you don't have to try. You're already there. You belong. You're a child of God. Amen? You're a child of God. You're right where you belong. Don't give up your spot. Go and reconcile others, and when you do, you're going to learn something new about Jesus that you didn't know before. He should be new to you. You should see a different side of him than you did before, right? You should know that he's stronger than you ever knew before. You should know that he cares about you more than you used to know how much he cared about you. Amen? You should know that he's, his love and concern is deeper and richer than you ever thought it was. You need to know the depths of his grace and the depths of his love and the depths of his forgiveness. You need to know the power of Jesus. And the only way you discover the power of Jesus is if you actually step out and do something. If you never lay hands on the sick, you never get to see the miracle of, of healing. Come on. If you do get to see it, you're, you're riding on somebody else's shirt tail. Peeking around the corner on somebody else's faith. Right? Step out. Wherever you're at today, step out. If you're a stay-at-home mom, reconcile those children back to God. That's your first priority. Teach them children how to love God. Teach them how to walk in faith. Teach them how to pray for the sick. Teach them how to walk in power. If you're a stay-at-home mom, man, that's, you got the best job in the world. Wherever your job is, go into your job tomorrow morning saying, God, I, I just I want to step out. I believe what Pastor Jamie said. I believe what your Bible says. I just want to give me an opportunity. And you better watch when you pray for that. Because he's going to give you an opportunity. Old Billy Bob going to come up in front of you cussing, screaming, and hollering. Or Susie Mae might walk in half dead. And God goes, there's your opportunity. I believe growing as a Christian, maturing as a Christian, is getting to know Jesus at a deeper level. I believe that if you know Jesus the way you used to know him and he's not become new and, and you've seen something different in him, then I believe you've become stale. Amen? You stopped. Why'd you stop? All of heaven's going, why'd they stop? Right? 
I had the image of a, you ever see a peewee football game? And the little kids, they get confused, right? And, and maybe, maybe it was your little boy that did this, but he gets the ball, and, and your end zone's over here, and the other end zone's over there, right? And instead of going that way, he's going this way. And then the, chat, the, the crowd starts, what, screaming? They're saying stop, but he hears go, right? So he's running hard in the wrong way. Some of us are like that today. You've been going the wrong way too long, and it's just time to turn around. Amen? It's not the end of the world. Stand up, dust the, knock the dust off your knees. Get up, turn around, and go the other way. Amen? Come back to where you belong. Stand up with me this morning. I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you say I needed to hear that. That's a word from God this morning. I'm about this far ahead of you. You know why? Because that was a word for me this morning. I'm tempted to give up my place. I'm tempted to go back to Egypt. I'm tempted to go dig up the old Jamie and do what he used to do. There's a lot less pressure. A lot less responsibility. But if I do that, I forfeit everything that I've ever had. Everything that's been rightfully mine, I give it up. And I'm not called to give it up. Amen? It's mine. Father, I pray this morning, wherever we find ourselves here today, I pray your grace, Lord, upon us. Lord, some of us are just tired. It's been a rough week, Lord. It seemed like all hell broke loose against us this week, Father. We just need a good drink from your fountain this morning. Lord, I just need a good stiff drink from your fountain this morning, Lord. some refreshing living water this morning, Lord. If that's you this morning, I just want you to say, Lord, give me a drink. Just give me a drink, Lord. Drink from the living water. We bless you, Lord. Minister to us right now, Father. Chains are being broken. Curses are being broken. Lies are being broken. A couple folks this morning went back to the cemetery and put the old man back where he belonged. Praise God. Some of us that were on our way to dig that old man up turned around and went the other way. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, this morning. Lord, I pray... You help us to feel the welcoming presence of the Holy Spirit, the welcoming presence 
of the kingdom of God. Help us to just sense that and feel that right now, Lord. Help us to hear the cloud of witnesses saying, come back. Come back home. Come back to where you belong. Touch your people this morning, Lord. Confirm these words with the presence of your Holy Spirit this morning, Lord. The power of your Holy Spirit. Confirm it, Lord. Pour out your love upon your people right now, Father. Fresh wind of the Holy Spirit begin to blow. I just release it over the whole congregation right now, Jesus. Blow new life into us, Father. Breathe upon us, Lord. Re-energize us. Make us feel like ambassadors, Lord. Make us feel like high-ranking officials, Lord. Some people need their robes back on, Lord. They need their ring back, and they need their sandal back this morning. Father, bring them back. Bring them back. Come back to God this morning. Come back to God. Come back into the presence of God. Come back into the power of God. Lord, deliver us from ourselves. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the powers and the principalities of the darkness, Lord. Deliver us, Father. Bring us back into the house, Lord. Some people need to come back into the house, Father. Lord, the Lord says this morning that the door is open. It's open. And there's a seat at the table. And your name's on that seat and the table's been set for you. Come back. Come back to God. Come back. You've been made new. This new life has begun. Come back to God. Confirm your word this morning, Lord. Power of the Holy Spirit fall upon us right now. Fall, Lord. Fall upon us right now. I just want you to do something different this morning. I want you to get on your knees right there where you're at. It's right there where you're at. Come on, supper's going to wait. Food's going to be hot. It's going to taste better after this. Right there where you're at. I just want you to start confessing to God where you're at right now. I believe the Holy Spirit's spoken to you this morning. So just start confessing to God, Lord, this is where I'm at. Lord, I'm tired, I'm broken, I'm beaten, Lord. Lord, I've been trying to live like the old man. I've been striving, I've been working hard, I've been killing myself for myself. Lord, I just surrender today. I just surrender, Lord. I'm tired, Lord. Tired of living for myself, tired of trying to take care of me. I surrender, Lord, and I give myself over to you, and I ask you, Father, to breathe new life into me this morning. Stir up this spirit, man, inside, Lord. I bless you, Lord, and I worship you. There's none greater than Jesus. Jesus, 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 precious Jesus, powerful Jesus, mercies are new every morning, Jesus, 
grace is new every morning, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Breathe your life upon us this morning, Jesus. We worship you. Say this with me this morning, church. Say, Lord, I receive it. And thank you for it. And I love you, Father. Amen.